0: Welcome to All The Things, with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique.
1: Good evening, and welcome to All The Things. I am Monique Dusan. And I am Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom. And today is actually Friday. It is. Yes. Tomorrow is a very important and special day. The Otis Bontrager child, Emily, is graduating from college until we are pre-recording the show, and we want to say a very special congratulations to Emily. We are so proud of her.
0: Yeah, it's a big accomplishment. She's uh,
1: ready to go off and do big things. Yes, she is. All right. Now, um, helping us out on the show today, well, I don't know, do we have people in the moderating booth? No. Okay. So, you guys, you'll be flying solo on your own today. Make sure that your comments are, you know, appropriate while, you know, we are away. But, as always, we have Bob with us and are so grateful. There he is. Pushing those buttons in the right order. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And tonight's show is brought to you by the Center for Biblical Unity, Theology Mom, Impact 360 and Family 210 Clothing. Go ahead and make sure to run over to family210.com and order your shirt. There's our newest design uh, created to rain, and we have a new website
0: actually uh, the domain of family210.com so go check out our family's designs there and of support the work of the ministry.
1: Yes, and you actually created that design. I did, yep. Fancy. I'm going to create a design one day. Okay. Probably not. All right. So what's happening with you? Well, last, not last week, earlier this week on Thursday, we did the family meeting and I had Pastor Edwin Ramirez, also known as The Proverbial Life, on with me discussing Dr. Eric Mason. Um, his sermon from Sunday, he is the author of the book, Woke Church and um, Urban Apologetics, which is a new book that he's just released. He did a a sermon on Sunday that talked about racism and it was extremely problematic. And so, and, and problematic for a number of reasons. I can't get into that here on this show, but I would say go and check out the recording of um. Edwin and me talking about that and you know just see how deep things like critical race theory, wokeness, the social justice narrative, all of this is seeping into the church. So, it was a good conversation. Super thankful for Edwin.
0: Yeah, you guys did a really good job of kind of walking people through some critical moments in the sermon and helping to kind of lend some perspective to to what was happening and uh I think addressing some some concerns, but trying to do it in a fair-minded way and yeah. and drawing attention to it in a way of um, respect, but firmness about you know some of the like you say some of the problematic issues.
1: Yeah, I, I think we definitely wanted to be fair. We didn't want to you know condemn Dr. Mason or anything like that. But there are issues with his sermon that I said again I said are very real. And those things need to be addressed. People need to understand what they're hearing when certain things are being put out. And I just believe that teachers and leaders are held to a different level of responsibility. That's a biblical principle, not just something that I'm making up. And so he has a responsibility, you know, and and as leaders, we need to be teaching people like, how do you thread through these kind of comments. So that was it. Now you also did something this week.
0: Yeah, I did a live stream earlier in the week. Uh, It was called um, Christian parenting in the age of woke culture. And it's a talk that I've um, done a few times now and been developing over the last several months. I'm trying to warm up to the talk. I, I have a little bit of a love hate relationship with the talk, but you encouraged me to, you know, keep going with it and, So I thought I would do it as a live stream so people can go check that out on a replay or um, on podcast.
1: Yeah, I think that it's a great talk and we got a lot of positive feedback from it. So super helpful. And it actually um, helped to spur the conversation that we're going to have tonight. And so tonight on our podcast, we are having the one and only Elizabeth Urbanovitz. Um, She is the founder of Foundation Worldview, which is an organization that creates worldview curriculum for parents, leaders, teachers to be able to teach worldview, a biblical worldview to young people. And so she's in a very unique space, has a very unique voice. And I thought coming off of your live stream and her releasing new curriculum, it would be a good way to kind of book in the week your your live stream being at the beginning, <laughs> this at the end, and so... Plus, we just love Elizabeth. We we do. We love Elizabeth.
0: And, you know, it's actually... I was looking back. It's been like two years since we had her on the show the oh, first time. Yes. So, to be good. We have a lot of new listeners now, mm-hmm. and to introduce them to her very important work. So, yes. let's get Elizabeth on the show.
1: I love her hair. I think she has it up. <laughs> yes. But... My goodness, she has so much care and it's so curly. So that's just a tangent.
0: For those of you uh, who might be new in meeting Elizabeth, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and, and
2: what it is that you do. Yes. Thanks, ladies. It's so fun to be back on the show with you. Um, so as Krista and Monique said, I am Elizabeth Urbanowitz and I am the founder of an organization called Foundation Worldview. And what we seek to do is we seek to equip children with a biblical worldview in the formative years while also equipping them to really carefully evaluate every idea that they encounter. And the way that this started is my background is in teaching. And so I was teaching elementary students at a Christian school out in the Midwest. And most of my students came from great Christian homes where their parents were very intentional at discipleship. I was giving them a biblically based education all day long. Most of them were fairly involved in church, but I still saw them rapidly absorbing ideas from the culture and mixing them in with their worldview without any question. And so that's when I really took a deep dive into, okay, what's going on? What can we do? What kind of training these kids need? Because we know that a biblical worldview is both caught from example, and there's also part of it that's directly taught. And so that led me just on a journey of looking for resources that would equip the students in my classroom in this way. And when I couldn't find anything that was developmentally appropriate and educationally sound, that's when I started to develop resources on my own. And I was kind of just hoping that the kids in my class would start thinking when they watched YouTube videos or TV or when they listened to songs, when they had conversations and those things happen. But they started to critically think through everything and really apply scripture in every area of their life. And so it was so exciting. Um, And then several years later, the Lord led me out of the classroom to complete a master's in Christian apologetics at Biola and then start this company so that we can equip other adults to really equip children to have a biblical worldview and to think carefully in every area of life.
1: That's awesome. We were just in your area speaking at a church, and so many parents were saying, "Oh yeah, Elizabeth, that was my daughter's teacher. That was my son's teacher, and we love Elizabeth, and she's so helpful." You know, so that's awesome. The impact is huge. But I also think because we did a teen, um, a teen night, one one of the nights we were there, some of those students that you had are also directly impacted by what's happening in culture and struggling through some of those things. So it was definitely a conversation of, you know, we're so glad that we have Elizabeth because we've learned how to have these conversations with our kids and teach our kids how to navigate thinking through culture.
0: Yeah, and I'm wondering what kind of letters you're getting or what kind of inquiries you're getting. Like, what are the, the big picture issues that parents are raising that are, coming to your attention?
2: Yeah, I I think it, it really comes down to two different things. The first thing is even just understanding what scripture teaches on a worldview level because a lot of times you know whether it's in the home or in church or if there's a christian school involved there's a lot of telling of bible stories but not actually looking at how does the whole of scripture speak to a particular issue for example the issue of what is truth or what is the nature of what's really real is it just the physical is it just the spiritual is it both Then looking at you know the nature of god what does it mean to be human? How can we tell right from wrong? Looking at origins, all of those kind of things. Sometimes that's really skipped over in our instruction. We just teach individual narratives rather than looking at how does scripture as a whole speak to this? So some of the inquiries we get from parents is even just how do we how do we do this? You know, how do we teach the whole of scripture and help our kids think through these questions? And then a lot of the inquiries that I get are in the similar vein to what you're getting in just talking about, you know, competing ideologies in our culture and how do we prepare our kids for this. You know, you talk a lot at the Center for Biblical Unity, you know, about preparing your kids for, you know, this whole critical race theory narrative and how do we get them to think carefully and biblically through that, you know, without just saying like, well, that's wrong. You know, we don't believe in that, but actually getting them to think through that. So we're getting inquiries both about, okay, how do we teach scripture as a whole? You know, so we're building a biblical worldview. And then also how do we prepare our kids for these counterfeit narratives that they sound good and they have maybe a little bit of truth mixed in here and there. So those are the two main areas in which we get inquiries from parents.
1: One of the things you mentioned was, um, like competing worldviews or um competitors for for parents what are some of the biggest competitors you're noticing like is it the the critical social theories like critical race theory in particular is it maybe social media progressive
2: like, christianity yeah
1: what are some of the the biggest competitors pa- parents are facing
2: yeah it seems to be a mixture i mean within the past 12 months definitely these you know different critical social theories, intersectionality, you know, which covers a whole host of topics, you know, it covers the host. you know, covers racism, it covers sexual identity, you know, it covers, you know, like, what does justice actually look like? So that's been a huge one over the past 12 months. Um, And the sexuality one is really rising to the surface, just as different states implement different sex ed curriculums and standards in their states, um, or even in teacher education and preparation programs. So that's something that parents are asking about a lot. You know, how, how do I have these conversations with my kids? And and one thing that we try to do at foundation, because we're targeting kids that are, you know, under the teenage years is how do we get to some of the root issues without directly having to ad- address the fruit? You know, like when you're, you're talking to a four-year-old, you know, you might not want to It it might not be appropriate, you know, to explain every different form of sexual expression in our culture. But if we can get to some of the root issues there, like looking at, okay, what does it mean to be human? You know, what, you know, we have more than just our body. We are a combination of body and soul. So getting at some of these root issues and then also like morality, is there such a thing as right and wrong? Like do right and wrong actually exist? Or is it just something that we humans invent, hmm. you know, something that every society invents or something that we're evolving in our understanding? So in the younger ages, if we can get to some of these root issues, that can be really great at building a foundation when our kids might be too young to be exposed to the fruit that's growing off of these trees. Hmm.
1: That That's helpful. I think that um, looking at younger kids specifically, it does become difficult to have some of these conversations without being too open or, you know, having them even start to ask questions where it's like, you know, I can't really answer that for you yet. Um, But looking at the root of of a situation, you know, the fruit, we're always going to have, you know, different fruit and different um, byproducts of different issues. But what is the root? What is the truth of what is stemming or creating that fruit? It's good. I'm wondering
0: um, what possible shifts would you love to see Christian parents implement? Like if you could sit down at coffee for an hour with a Christian parent, what would you tell them? What would you want them to know? Like,
2: you know, make sure you're doing this. Yeah, that's a great question. And I love it because it, you know, it kind of encapsulates, you know, so much, like, what are some big shifts that we should look for in Christian parenting, you know, in discipling kids, I would say, one of the biggest things that I've encountered, just you know, in my in my own work with kids, and then observing other parents that are doing things really well, um, is really cultivating an environment that does two things: that one welcomes questions, and two fosters deep thinking. Because a lot of times. In our culture first we're just focused on fluff a lot of the times you know just like with tv shows and movies and video games and not that there's anything wrong with that but sometimes a lot of our conversations you know center around that or when it comes down to presenting our kids with the truth we tend to do a lot of the talking and now there are is definitely a place for direct instruction and speaking the truth and instructing our kids in the truth. You know, We're commanded to do that in scripture. But if we really want these things to stick with our kids, we have to get better at asking questions and teaching them to think well so that they're the ones that are actually thinking through these big issues and verbalizing the answers. Because whoever does the majority of the talking in a conversation, is usually the person who does the majority of the thinking because we humans aren't that skilled at listening. You know, that's why scripture has to tell us to be quick to hear and slow to speak. So if I were sitting down with a parent, would just kind of talk through, you know, what kind of questions are you welcoming in your home? You know, how are you making, carving out intentional time for your kids to ask questions, you know, whether they're silly questions or really deep questions. And then what kind of things are you doing to help them think through the truth of different ideas that they encounter? Because we can tell them the truth, you know, and there's important times for that. But if we are constantly the ones who are telling them, what we're inadvertently doing is we're training them to blindly follow whatever voice happens to be the loudest. Because, you know, when they're in our homes and they're young, our voice is the loudest. We're the primary influencers. And that's a good God-given thing, but we don't want them to get stuck in that stage once they enter, you know, those tween and teen years where parents are no longer who they're looking to primarily for advice. So those are the two things I would say, foster an environment that welcomes questions and train kids to think well.
1: I think it's important, um, you know, asking questions and being able to think because when you get into like upper elementary school and junior high school, and it, kids are now like deep diving into autonomy and wanting to kind of make my own choice and decide what's right from wrong as, as they continue to develop majority culture or the popular, you know, popular thought can weigh really heavy on a kid. And so if they're not taught how to, properly think through a situation, whatever the popular kids are saying or whatever the majority of the kids are saying at, at a high school or a junior high school is going to be highly influential on children and really shape a lot of their development in this stage.
2: Right. I mean, think how difficult it is even for us not to get conformed to culture you know even when the majority of our time is spent you know with christian influences we're still highly affected by culture and we need to be really intentional about making sure our decisions and our thoughts are guided by scripture so especially in these formative years it's so important now when we had you on the show a couple of years ago we talked about
0: your worldview curriculum and i know that you've got another one out right now so maybe we can maybe we should just start with the year one and and sort of the foundation and then we can talk about what the new thing is that you're offering and we'll take a deeper dive into that so walk us through kind of the year one curriculum and what that offers
2: yes so it kind of parallels the need that i was telling you about that i saw in my students to really understand christianity as an entire worldview and then to understand what are the different influences coming my way daily so what we do in the first curriculum is we take each unit takes a different worldview question so we look at the questions what is truth what should i worship how did life begin Who am I? And how can I tell right from wrong? And the first thing we do is we just explore the topic. Like, what does it mean when we talk about truth? Like, what are we even talking about? Is thinking about truth important? If so, why? If not, why not? And so we just look at the question in general. Then we have the kids dive into scripture and look at, okay, what has God revealed about this topic in his word. And we really try to look at it holistically, not just taking, you know, like a few isolated cherry picked verses, but really looking at okay, when we look at the meta narrative of scripture, what do we find? And then we directly teach kids what different worldviews teach. So we look at four competing worldviews in our society and we have them learn just kind of like the basics of what those worldviews teach in general. And then we have them compare and contrast those beliefs with the Christian worldview. So they're seeing, okay, where are some of the similarities and where are some of the big differences? And then we have them look at, okay, when we look at the world around us, what do we actually find? So that they're really discovering, oh my goodness, a Christian worldview consistently lines up with what we find in reality. And we try to make it really practical, lots of hands-on activities. And then we also have different media clips where they're watching clips from a popular kids movie or TV show and they're evaluating, okay, what worldview issue do I see presented in this, clip. And then what is the character's answer? What worldview perspective are they coming from? So in the beginning, we just want to give kids the basics of a biblical worldview and looking at what are the other influences coming at us in our culture so that they really understand, oh, there are different perspectives and not every perspective lines up with what is true. So that's the basics of our first year of content. Basics.
1: Grando adults who need this curriculum. Like, we cannot do this. So this is like for 17-year-olds, 17, 17 to 25? Like it, what so, age yeah, r- yeah. age range is this
2: for? So this is for we say eight to twelve year olds. Really the sweet spot is eight to ten, but you can go up to twelve if the child, you know, hasn't had a really strong foundation in worldview. Because what we do is we always seek to take abstract concepts and then attach them to something physical so that kids can really get them. But as you're saying, this is something that we adults many times have not been trained in. So one of the components of our curriculum is we have teaching videos. We have videos for the parent or the teacher who's going to go through this content with their kids in case they're feeling like, I don't know what this is. How do I do this? So we give them videos guiding them. And then we also give videos where we actually teach the content for them. So in many cases, adults write in parents and teachers and kids ministry workers have written in and said like, thank you so much for these videos. Like I'm learning right alongside the kids. So that's one of the bonus is that if parents or uh, ministry leaders, you know, haven't been trained in this way, they can also receive the training as they're going through it with the kids in their life.
1: Yeah, I'm going to ask you for that link when we're done with this. <laughs> I, I'm going to need some of these lessons. Now, in in year two, what age range is that? And then walk us through a bit of what that curriculum looks like. And we actually just walked through it. And I can say flat out, it's awesome. It, it covers so much. There's like, what, five or six lessons in each module? Yes. Yep, correct. Five Five
2: and some, six in others. Yeah. So, Yes. So our year two curriculum, it just released on Tuesday of this week, and I'm just so excited for it because what it does is it's kind of the next step, the next building block. So this is for kids. You can use it with kids anywhere from nine to 13. So it's just one year up from our previous curriculum. And what this curriculum does is once kids have been introduced to the basics of a biblical worldview and understand that there are other worldview influences in our culture, what we then do in this year is we train them to systematically evaluate the truthfulness of ideas. So we start off with a review of the concept of truth, and then we look at the concept of thinking carefully. And we have the kids look at, is it like, is there a connection between being a Christian And thinking carefully and we have them look at scripture, you know, that talks about, you know, loving God with our minds and taking every thought captive and not being taken captive by false philosophy so that the kids are understanding that, oh, there is a thing called truth. And it's my responsibility to be really diligent at seeking it. It's part of loving God. It's part of loving him with my mind. And of course, that's not the all of loving God, but that's a critical component. And then what we do is we systematically take them through, okay, how do we look at an idea that someone is claiming to be true? How do we evaluate it using the basic laws of logic? How do we look for mistakes in it? And so we cover some things that are really relevant in culture right now, like especially, you know, with the whole critical theories in our culture, a lot of what's being done on a popular level. Is telling a narrative that's very emotional, you know, and pulls at our emotions, but doesn't necessarily align with truth. And then so many people get dragged into that because of the emotions. So that's just one example. We teach kids to look at okay, this person who's making this claim, have they actually given true reasons? for believing that their claim is true? Or are they just giving an emotional story that's gonna make me feel a certain way, but doesn't necessarily have any strong support behind it? And so we teach them how to evaluate that. We give them lots of real life examples that are really relevant in culture right now. Then we also teach them the basics of how do we listen well to, and ask good questions, you know, because we don't want to train kids to think carefully and then just, you know, be little Pharisees or little snobs, mm-hmm. um, but we want to teach them, you know, to communicate the truth and love, to never veer away from the truth, but to always be intentional at speaking it in love. So we give them lots of practical practices for how to listen well, how to ask good questions, how to communicate the truth in love. And so I'm really excited for these new materials, especially at this cultural moment. You know, Once kids have the basics of what it means to have a biblical worldview, the fact that there are other worldviews, then to take it up a notch and say, okay, any idea that you evaluate or that you encounter in culture, how do you evaluate it? Well, and in the end, one of my favorite things is our culminating activity is the kids are given um, the situation where they're invited to somebody else's youth group and the youth pastor that speaks, you know, gives a message and we give a very progressive Christian message, you know, that Jesus did not die to take away your sins. He died to be the ultimate example of sacrifice and love. And then have the kids say, okay, so what are you going to do with that? You know, your immediate thought is, wait, that's not what I heard. So what do you do next? Where do you go to look? Let's evaluate this. And then they have to evaluate it. So I'm really excited about these materials and just the way they can transform the way our kids think.
0: What I am such a big advocate of is people need more classes in critical thinking and logic. And I love that you have put the nuts and bolts of that together for kids because that is a wonderful way to inoculate them against a lot of foolishness. One of the only classes I told my daughter she had to take in college, I said, you must take a logic class. I am paying for this very expensive education. You must take a logic class and So when it was time for her to do it, she said, mom, it's at seven in the morning. I said, then you will buy an alarm clock because you will go. But she said it was actually a really helpful class and she understood afterwards why I put so much emphasis on it. But I love it that you've you've brought this down for
1: kids. I love the fact that you have rules set up. Like there are rules to logic. There are rules to thinking. And that you're clear in um, one of the units, it's like, well, there's going to be mistakes. You might make a mistake. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you about specifically is this idea of faulty ideas. Like what is in it? Because it's listed on the website. What is a faulty idea?
2: Yeah, so we go through two different things. You know, this is a, an introductory course. So, for those of you out there watching that have a strong background in logic and critical thinking, just know this is not a master's level course. This is for nine to 13 year olds. Um, but the first thing that we talk about is we talk about any statement that is self refuting. And so we say, you know, that means any statement that proves itself wrong, that doesn't follow its own rules. Like for an easy example and a funny example, you know, would be if I said, I do not have a voice today. Like I just by saying those words proved that I do have a voice that I can speak. So that's a self-refuting statement. So we train kids in just some fun examples, how to recognize self-refuting statements. Um, You know, a great one today in our culture is the statement, you know, don't judge. It's wrong to judge, which we know we're then making a judgment about judging. And so we're breaking our own rules. Then the other thing that we train kids in is how to actually look at what is the support behind this idea? Because when someone can say an idea that sounds really good, but we know that we have to investigate the evidence behind it, like what reasons do we have for saying that for even, you know, even a Christian claim? Like if I say that Jesus is the son of God, like what evidence do I have to back that up? Because somebody walking down the street could say that they are the son of God. And so why would I believe that Jesus really is the son of God when I don't believe that random person on the street? And so we're looking at, okay, so what is the evidence behind this. And we go into some just some important things in our culture, we look at how do we look for reliable sources? What does it look like for something to be a reliable source and, and, credible and something that's not heavily biased. So those two things, we train them to look for self refuting statements, you know, statements that don't follow their own rules. So are flat out wrong. And then we train them to look at, okay, anytime we hear a statement, an objective statement, how do we find the evidence supporting that or against that to weigh the truthfulness of that statement?
1: What would you say, Because okay, this, it seems like, wow, like this is, people are going to be doing a lot. These kids are going to be in it. What do you say to parents who might say, well, that's too much for a nine to 13 year old, or, you know, my kid can't do that at nine to 13, or even like, you know, well, my kid doesn't need to do that.
2: Yeah. So first the, my kid can't do that. Well, you'll notice that there is that age range, nine to 13, because developmentally, different kids are at different places. There are some nine year olds that, you know, are gonna be more than ready and are gonna just blow us out of the water, you know, when they go through this material because developmentally they're at a place where they're ready. And there's gonna be some other kids at nine that aren't quite as, you know, cognitively mature. And so they might need another year or two. And so that's really, you know, why we put this age range on it so that parents and teachers and you know ministry leaders can use their discretion with this. As far as kids can't do this, that is one of the things that I think can surprise us the most of what kids are capable of. Now, when we look at the standards set by the government, whether it's the federal government or individual state governments, at third grade. So by eight or nine years old, our children are expected to be able to write five paragraph essays where they're defending a position. And so, you know, if if in a public education they're expected to do that from a very secular perspective. You know, we should be, not that we should take our cues from the federal government, but it should just be like, hmm, maybe kids are capable of a little bit more than I give them credit for. And so we want to make sure that we're being really rigorous in our training of them. And like I said earlier on the show, anytime we take an abstract concept and attach it to something concrete, younger kids are able To really grasp it, it's like the same with mathematics. You know, we don't start off, you know, when they're five years old by saying, okay, what's five plus three? We start off by giving them five blocks and three blocks, and we teach them to count them, and then we teach them to put them together, and then we teach them to count those. And then once they understand that, then we can say, okay, what's five plus three? And they get it and so it's the same with this you know when we're talking about truth or knowledge or critical thinking we just kind of put something physical to it and they're able to grasp it and then your second question was for anybody who might say my kid doesn't need this um and i would first say you know just appreciate you know people being intentional about thinking through what their children do and don't need that's a great thing to be really intentional i would really encourage anyone who is skeptical to just hop on social media or even just step outside of your the four walls of your house and just see what's going on in culture and to recognize there is no possible way that we can prepare our kids with the idea with every single idea that's going to come their way there are so many things coming down the pipeline that we don't even know yet but if we can give them skills to think Carefully, then what we're doing is we are equipping them for any and every idea that comes their way. So I would really say this is foundational in any child, you know, discipleship in, in 2021.
0: When we, you were talking to us before we started recording, one of the things that you kept emphasizing is, you know, educational research shows this or brain research shows this. One of the very unique features of your curriculum is that you have really designed it with the latest research behind it. And, you know, there's a hundred curriculums out, out there. I used to do the homeschool circuit. So I've seen, you know, a lot of what's out there, but, you know, help us appreciate what's
2: truly unique about your approach. Yes yes this is something i'm i'm finding i have to do a better job at cuz we're finding from different surveys that we're giving people who request samples that like educational research strategies are like very low on people's priority list. Whereas a teacher, I'm like, oh, that's so important. (laughs) Um, But with everything that we do, we wanna make sure that there's research to back it because we don't wanna give people materials that were like, hmm, that sounds like a good idea. Let's try this out. We wanna give them materials that are actually proven to transform the way that kids think. So one of the things I was talking with you about before we um, started recording is that brain research has found that on average, a child's mind needs between five and seven exposures to the same content before it really sticks and becomes part of their everyday thinking patterns. So one of the things that we do in all of our curriculums is we make sure that anytime we introduce something, we are reviewing it with the child between five and seven times to make sure like this is going to stick. Then we also do things that might seem just, trivial to some people, but are actually very purposeful. Like for every lesson, we have a big question that we cover. And we also have specific, what we call learning outcomes. And these are goals that we actually present to the kids at the beginning of every lesson, because this is another brain research thing that researchers have found that when a child is told at the beginning of a lesson, what the goal is, what they're gonna be asked you know, to know, understand, or be able to do by the end of the lesson, then they're able to process that and think through the whole lesson and know, okay, this is what I should be able to walk away with. So the growth is tremendous. And then one of the other really important things is we always have an activity that we call a know it and show it activity, which is just, it's not a test, but it's a form of assessment so that the parent or the kids ministry leader or the teacher who's taking kids through these materials, they can collect that at the end of the lesson and see, okay, what kids really get it? What kids have really have a solid understanding of this and what kids don't yet have a solid understanding and what might I need to do to go back and review to make sure that this material, you know, we're not just checking some box off a list, but we're making sure this is really transforming the way that kids think.
1: Go ahead. Oh, okay. I thought she was gonna go.
2: <laughs> I think
1: that um, that having the assessment at the end, you know, like, hey, can you really do this? Did you really learn that? You know, is important, um, I think for parents, One, but two, to show the kid, like, look what you can do now. Look how far you came. You know, remember when we first started this? Now look at at where you are. You know, even an hour, two hours later, look at what you have gained. Um, And then as you go through the unit, just being able to affirm in a child, like, look at how much, look at how far you have come. This has been your hard work. I think that's super rewarding. Now... This is something I I definitely would do in a children's ministry setting. Is this something that you would say, you know, you can do this, grandparents, you can do this, leaders, aunts, uncles, like, is this for everyone or are there people that you would specifically say, you know, these people are probably better, you know, the curriculum is geared more for these people?
2: That's another great question um, because we do have different licenses for different groups of people. So we do have church subscriptions and we do have Christian school subscriptions and then we do have family subscriptions and they all include the same content, but some of the different subscriptions include different materials with them for example one of our you know deeply rooted philosophies at foundation worldview is that parents are the primary disciplers of their children so if this curriculum is being done in a church setting or a school setting we have what's called home connection activities that go home with the kids to make sure that what they're being taught in church or school is being reinforced in their family it also gives parents just a brief overview of the lesson that we covered because we know that sometimes parents won't have been trained in this so that they're learning right alongside their kids. Then for the Christian school setting, we have some different forms of assessments in more formalized tests because we know that that's something that's important in that setting. And then in the homeschool or just the family discipleship setting, we have a few extra videos um, just explaining to the kids who are doing this in a family setting what they're doing so it really fits into any and all settings we have you know, we have homeschool families. We have families that send their kids to public school, but really want to train them in this way. We have grandparents who are really passionate about building a biblical worldview in their kids. So they take their grandkids through this over the summer or over the weekends. We have Christian schools that use this. We have churches that use this. And we also provide a model for churches. If churches don't want to use this in their kids ministry, but they want to make it available for families in their church, they can buy bulk family subscriptions at a reduced price, and then they can either distribute them for free or for a reduced price to the families in their church. So any setting this works in.
0: Fantastic. And I'm going to put the website back up one more time. Let people know. Go to foundationworldview.com. Just click on curriculum, and you can learn more about what Elizabeth is doing the year one and the new year two. This is just a great alternative. We get so many questions at the ministry of what do I do? You know, people don't have options all the time to homeschool their kids, but if their kids are in public school, here's some, a a discipleship tool to help come alongside them and um, help them be able to be in those conversations and counteract some of what the students are learning in, in school.
1: Yeah. And what's great is that you don't have to have some deep philosophical root to yourself. Like it's laid out in such a way that parents, grandparents, whatever, family, church can walk through these um, lessons with students and have a teaching video. Like there's no reason why you couldn't do it.
0: Don't you wish you had this when you were a children's pastor? You know,
1: I really do. I really do. <laughs> I really you didn't. might need this now, you know. I could. All right, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for the work you're doing for empowering and equipping parents and leaders, which are directly impacting the next generation. It is so important.
2: Well, thanks for having me on. It was fun to be on with you, ladies, again. <laughs> we'll All see
1: right. you soon. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: All right, Elizabeth Urbanovitz, isn't she
1: awesome? She's
0: just so precious. And she is listed on the Center for Biblical Unity Friends page.
1: Yes, if you have not checked out our Friends page, go to centerforbiblicalunity.com backslash friends and see who the friends are of the, F- the Center for Biblical Unity.
0: Just all the many resources yes. and connections and expertise from a wide variety of people. I love the friends page.
1: Yes, it's it's so diverse in in thought and expertise. We have tons of friends. There's Edwin Ramirez. There is the auntie Elisa Childers. There's my brother Thaddeus Williams. <laughs> yes.
0: Your partner in crime.
1: My, Dr. Yes.
0: Harold Felder is coming soon for Juneteenth. Yes. We're gonna get to introduce him to our podcast family. There's your buddy Sam say. Yes. Joe Miller, Kevin McGarry. Jacob Daniel, boy, we're, we just feel so blessed, all the people that we've been
1: able to meet. There's Elizabeth. And her hair is down. See how curly it is? I just love it. <laughs> yes. And there's my uncle Virgil. Yes. Yes. Very Natasha good. Natasha Crane. So, all right.
0: Yeah. So go check out the Friends page. Now
1: we have something new to talk about. Well, it's not new. We keep talking about it. The Center for Biblical Unity Reconcile Curriculum, it is coming. Our pre-sales are doing well. Thank you very much to everyone who has pre-ordered. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have not pre-ordered, go to centerforbiblicalunity.com backslash reconciled, and you'll be able to see the lesson titles. Yeah, walk us through these lessons a little bit. Well, okay. So we start out with the myth of reconciliation or the ministry of reconciliation reconciliation where we just look at what is racial reconciliation. Like what is, is it real? Yeah, what is it? Like, are we commanded to do it? Is it a scriptural scriptural principle? What is it? Because I think there's a lot of different ministries that promote racial reconciliation and they're different. So racial reconciliation over here is going to look different than racial reconciliation over there. There's different steps. There's different steps. Huh. There are many uh, ministries that say only white people need to do things. And, you know, there are some ministries that say, well, only black people need to do things. There's, a, it's a mess. And so we kind of thread through what is racial reconciliation and how should we consider it as Christians? And how should we consider it in light of the verse that's usually put forward for racial reconciliation, which is 2 Corinthians 5 16 to 18.
0: Then you do kind of a deep dive into identity issues of who do you think you are? We'll look at Ephesians and What does it mean to be family?
1: And it's really a deep dive into how do we do this thing called unity? It's a lot of scripture. It's a lot of scripture. And we start out with identity because we need to understand who we are. If I don't understand who I am in connection with you and why I am in connection with you, then do we really have a foundation for our unity? And so we just, we do a deep dive. It's a lot of scripture. I'm not doing all the heavy lifting. We are giving scriptures. Teachings are and fairly short. Teachings are short and it's intentionally short so that people get to deep dive into scripture. It's kind of like your hermeneutics class where it was like, you know, we are going to teach you how to get into scripture for yourself so that you're not just dependent upon someone else to tell you, well, this is what the word means. That's right. No, get in there and, and dig in.
0: Then we have a couple of lessons about walking out unity. Yes. You know, how do we begin to put some legs on it, you know, and, and what does scripture have to say looking at the early church and then the the lesson about responsibility? Yeah.
1: So we use the early church as our model. But then in the last lesson, we say, well, whose responsibility is this? And if it's my responsibility, what must I do No. Yeah. And how can I be responsible in walking out unity? We all have a command to maintain unity. So what does that look like? How do we do it? So we're doing pre-orders
0: right now. Yes. When is it? Because the question is out there. When is it coming
1: out? It is slated to release the, not even slated. Our hardcore date is July 31st. I believe there's 31 days in July. The last day of July. Now, there's been rumors that it might drop earlier but i'm not gonna confirm or deny that <laughs> july 31st will be the hard drop but date. we're
0: actually looking at a, a date that's quite a bit sooner than that but this is all run by volunteers so we're we're, we're allowing for you know some some margin there yeah. yeah
1: and oh my gosh I have to thank all of our volunteers who are diligently it in it like they are in it day and night meetings and designs, marketing, social media, um, looking at editing and all of this. Thank you so much. All of the videos and sounds, even some graphics. Things that are that are in the works for some of the the yeah. videos, like just really, really blessed, surprised, super thankful.
0: Well, we really want to challenge all of you to be thinking and praying even now who you're going to invite uh, to do a study with you. Yeah. You know, is that your church? Is it you know, you're going to get some people together on Zoom? Like, what is that going to look like? And be praying, thinking about what that can be. And um, we intentionally brought it out during the summer so that people can make a plan for the fall. Because we know a lot of you that are pastors and church leaders pick curriculum in the summer. So we were very intentional in bringing it out at this time of the year so that you can think ahead in how you can position that for the fall. We've had some inquiries. People want to know, can I do this with my high school students? Mm -hmm. Can I do this with my homeschool group? Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Definitely. And please share it. Share it as a resource. You know, when we post something on social media about Reconcile, share it out so that people know there's alternatives. You don't have to do Robin D'Angelo's study in your small group. You know, if you're a Christian, I would say if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be doing Robin D'Angelo's small group. But, you know, there has to be an alternative. And if there's no alternative, then, you know, what do you do? Well, we are an alternative.
0: That's right. Just trying to... Make some steps toward being part of the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a wrap.
1: It is. We are going to go and get ready to party and celebrate graduation tomorrow.
0: So we will see you the following week. We're going to be talking to Jeffrey McCall, a founder of the Freedom March, and about his vision to bring the gospel to the LGBT community. Amen. I'm super excited to talk to him. We'll see you next week. Bye. Evening. Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingshow.com, and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.